If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast. I remember this place now. <laughs> but do I say, do I say, uh, good evening, Jersey? Good evening, Philly? Where the fuck are we? <laughs> good evening, Camden. I know we've been here before, and um, it's bringing back memories. I remember Mud Honey opening for us at one point. Um, well, I know it ain't the spectrum because we blew that place up. That's, that's done. Don't forget that. And, uh, and I know it ain't J.C. Dobbs because that was about 150 people. Um, look, I, I, uh, I, think, I do believe this is the, the, the biggest show we will play in the United States of America this summer. And, So we just want to say that we're honored that y'all came out um, in these numbers and supporting us and, and we're just grateful to be able to spend part of your summer with you. We thank you. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and this episode is going to be pretty fun for at least one of us hopefully both of us because we are going back to doing a show from last year 2022 and we decided that the best option for this because i felt like after st louis this was absolutely by far the second best show of this whole entire tour and being there and being able to witness it makes me really happy that we've decided to cover it. So today is going to be Camden 2022. Yeah, there's a lot of stories from this. There's a lot of stories personally that I'll be able to tell in this. And also, I think we'll even talk a little bit about Richie and Dermot Berg, who got the opportunity to go backstage. And and look, we've already interviewed them, and I think we'll, we'll play 
a little bit of that interview when it comes time in the show when they get introduced we'll play a little bit of that interview but i mean it's important they went backstage and got to see the whole process so that's going to be exciting to kind of talk about again but that we also did that back in september so if you want to go through our archives and listen to that interview maybe even before we do the episode please feel free it's it's a fantastic one of the best things we've ever done and it's just a very exciting show it's all gas the whole entire way through all drive it's songs that i thought that we never get again in my tenure of of going to shows and on and on and on lots of things to just talk about and rambling in the intro is not a good way to introduce you guys into what this show is going to be so we're getting right into it randy sobel over here john farrar over there hello hello hi john now Feel free to just chime in whenever you need to chime in. I don't want to feel like I am the only one talking in this episode. Yeah, I do remember when this happened. This was one that actually did not watch the live stream on or anything because the show happened on my birthday. That's right. Mm -hmm. What's funny is I had to actually go back and listen to the recap episode from Patreon, which Patrick actually did the the hosting and, and maneuvering for. Mm. And first of all, I, I barely remember much of it. And second of all, please, if you're listening to that and you're listening and, and you're like, what's going on here and who's talking? I promise you it's me. I promise you it's me. I had completely lost my voice after Toronto and definitely after MSG. And John, if you if you remember, I believe in between MSG and Camden, we made the really head scratching decision to do a deprogrammed on Eddie Fetter. Right, <laughs> and right. I could not talk at all, and I, I I feel like for the rest of this run for the uh, the final four shows that I went to, I feel like I, I was struggling with my focal cords a little bit. So. <laughs> We will get to playing. There is a clip that I really want to play at the end of the episode. That's really, really funny that that we'll get to play. So you will be able to hear me. And uh, and if he's listening out there, I, I, I listen to my voice. I'm like, is that Steve Bennett? I sound like Steve Bennett. I don't know why I can't get it out of my head. I sound like Steve Bennett. But if he's listening, I'm sure I'll get a kick out of that. But yeah, this is a tremendous show and lots of stories that I think I got to tell. John, what are you interested in knowing about the stories first? Ooh, how about just coming off of MSG and like what a big deal that was? I think you guys had like a like a parking lot tailgate plan for this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, I, I will say that the MSG kind of ended well a phenomenal show and i i think i lost my hearing at that show too uh, along with losing my voice everywhere else that there was a little bit of a kind of a bittersweet taste to that show because the breath campaign that we did just sort of sputtered and not due to anybody's fault but i i realized you know i'm in sort of where center ice is i'm i'm like kind of in the 100 levels and I'm looking down, and, and the GA is down there. And I see a couple people holding up signs on the GA. And I'm like, God, that's that's great. But I feel like it wasn't going to succeed unless I was down there personally handing people signs and holding up a bigger sign myself. And when that was going on, and I kind of told everybody that, and it was in that little description on the piece of paper, it said, 
you know, at the encore, everybody holding up. And, you know, at the encore, I think everybody was just kind of like, hey, the show's amazing. And they forgot all about it. And, you know, at the time, you you feel like you can kind of move mountains sometimes. And, and, you know, it was a humbling experience to know that you can't, especially with this band and, and the thousands and thousands of people that were there. We thought we gave away so many signs, but, you know, basically you needed to be at the door handing them to people to make sure that every single person got one. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a bittersweet taste, but, it, you know, two days off, kind of got some time to, to sleep it off. I don't think I got any sleep between coming back from Toronto and uh, after that MSG show. We got home at like three in the morning, so I, I needed a couple days to kind of recuperate from that. So a lot of planning going into Camden and stuff like that. You know, it was just going to be exciting because not only was it going to be this show, but I'd be flying out to Nashville and then doing that whole little run, Nashville, Louisville, St. Louis, that all happened in three days straight. So, you know, I, I kind of did like the, you know, trains, planes, automobiles thing. I, I took a ferry to Long Island and, and Matt, who will tell Matt's story of this show in a second. But for those of you old school people out there that remember Matt hosting the show. But what happened was I got everything all set up. And yeah, we were supposed to do like a parking lot tailgate. Did happen, but it kind of got truncated a little bit, so we'll get into that. But I left the house and I think was leaving at like eight, nine in the morning, something like that, to catch a ferry down to do the Bridgeport ferry over to Port Jefferson. And that's how Matt was going to drive me to Camden because he lived on Long Island. So it's just easiest thing and where I wouldn't need to leave my car anywhere and have it be a disaster after I got back home. So I realized we're kind of pulling into the dock at Port Jeff. And I realized I'm like, fuck, I left all my medication at home. I, I don't want to go through how much medication I have, but uh, it's, it's enough to say like, Ooh, like that's going to set you back a couple of days. You can't do this trip without taking those meds. And it was just kind of like a brain scramble to try to get all that together and call my doctor to put in a five day prescription in and find a Walgreens in Philadelphia to pick it up from. And I had also gotten all of that filled like maybe a week or so beforehand. It was probably that because I probably got it filled before I even went to Toronto. So insurance wouldn't cover a five day supply. So I had to pay uh, way more than I usually do. It was just another hassle to have to deal with on the road. And Walgreens kind of screwed me over and, and kept that five day prescription in on my auto renew. So whenever I went to go pick up uh, a medication, it was still a five day because they weren't smart enough to think, Oh, let's go back to the 30 day supply. That actually screwed me up for about three more months after that. It was really infuriating, but I digress a little bit. So yeah, like Matt picks me up and we get to the car. And I think my whole thing was that whenever I wanted to be on the road, I wanted people that were going to the show to see us and to see the back of our car and to see it say Pearl Jam things on it. And Matt was kind of into it. And then when we tried to do it for when we were driving from Nashville to Louisville, 
I think I try to get everybody into it. They're like, eh, I don't care. Uh, do whatever you want. So I just kind of scribbled on the back of Bradley's Jeep and or whatever car he had. I, I can't remember at this moment. But yeah, Matt had a Jeep. But yeah, we just kind of wrote things on the back of his window, like, you know, live on four legs road trip and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. I was just trying to get into the spirit of the thing, I suppose. And we did get a couple of people like honk at us and stuff like that. So that, w- that was nice. And yeah, like Matt is my best friend that I could ever have been my best friend since I was about five years old. So I'm going to defer to his story right now because I don't get to spend a lot of time with him. So doing like a two and a half, three hour car ride is just kind of like catching up. And I think we listened to the episode that week and stuff like that. So I'm going to read Matt's story and what he'll share right here is a lot of what I was going to share anyway. So I'll just kind of pick up from those pieces of the story where need to and kind of fill in some gaps. So, all right, this is from Matt. This started out as a disappointing situation. One of many downsides to tours being rescheduled and reworked is that there was a very real possibility that a new date might not work around personal schedules. When I got Pearl Jam tickets for MSG years prior to what would actually be the show date, I said to myself, watch, I won't be able to make the new date when the world opens back up. The news hit, The updates were out, and I can no longer attend what had become somewhat of a go-to venue for me to see Pearl Jam. In the past, if I wasn't able to see both nights, I'd always be able to make it to at least one of them, and that was fine by me. I could get my fix in the arena that's also the center of the universe. Pearl Jam and MSG, is there anything better? Well, 2022 looked like it wasn't my year. The Saturday before the show, I was in Boston with a group of friends for the Red Hot Chili Peppers show. And he just didn't want to miss Frusciante's return. But we had planned the long weekend, and unfortunately, I wasn't returning until Tuesday. I knew I'd have a great time, and now with my ticket available, Randy was able to take it and keep his MSG stretch alive. This is true. I've been to every MSG show since 2008. Which actually gave me a lot of joy and happiness. Well, that's nice of you to say. But Randy being Randy hit me with some wonderful news. The day after I came back from Boston, Pearl Jam was a short three-hour drive away in Camden, and he had the tickets. Yeah, when I read that Camden was going to be a weekday, like a Wednesday, I kind of figured, okay, well, that's usually one of the only days that Matt is ever available. I'm going to make sure he goes to the show. This seems like it can be doable for him. So I made sure I got two tickets, and and he was in right away. So that that was awesome. So I got home with enough time to shower, nap, and hit the road again. Wednesday morning, I picked Randy up from the ferry here on Long Island, and we were off. Planning the day, we had snacks, drinks, cold coolers, some Sour Patch Kid energy drink, which that was something that my wife actually bought me before the tour started, and it was putrid. I was going to say, that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, it just tasted like... Like a, if you made a an energy drink for a gummy bear, <laughs> it was pretty awful. So we brought the flag to be our landmark for a meetup in the parking lot and all the live on four legs kind of extracurriculars that we needed. So the weather was nothing short of spectacular and the people in the parking lot were even better. A lot of familiar faces and many new ones. Quickly making friends, comparing shows, set list predictions, and shooting up all the small talk was a huge highlight of the already picture-perfect day and we hadn't even gone inside. And yeah, a lot of people, like we just kind of met some random people here and there 
and talked to them and people were like, yeah, I, I, I know what you do. I know what you do. And then we bumped into Tanya and it was great. That was my first time actually meeting Tanya. And we bumped into Scott McQueen as well and his son, which was great. It was great to meet Scott. And I'm pretty sure we saw Amy Wynn there as well. And I think Amy Wynn had gotten me stickers or something like that. But it was just kind of congregating. And you know what happens whenever you congregate in a parking lot and everybody wants to talk about Pearl Jam, more and more people just kind of drift over to your side. So it was it was fun. And no, it wasn't the heavy metal parking lot <laughs> that we wanted it to be. But right. yeah, it, it was. It was a good time. With a couple new friends, we headed in and broke it up into pairs to hit each merch stand. The poster was a must-have for Randy and I, so when he turned to search left, I went right. Now, I have to tell this now, just to kind of clear this up. I was very, very unsure about getting this poster. I didn't want to travel with any posters because I don't like traveling with posters. However, I had the benefit of Matt having the car there that whenever the next time I was going to see him, which happened to be like January or February, he could just give me the poster and I wouldn't have to fly with it. So that was beneficial. What ended up happening was I went left and I went all the way to the other side of the pavilion. I was really... In, in a second, we'll talk about Seth and Forgotten Brewery, but I was I was trying to find that, and I came across a merch stand that was completely empty of people. No, nobody was there yet, and the fattest stack of posters just sitting right there. And I looked, and I'm like, I, I have no choice. I got it's one of the best posters of the tour. I have absolutely no choice on this. So yeah, I ended up getting it. Matt got it, and I think everybody else that we were with got it too. So it was highly successful in that regard. And yeah, we 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 met a new friend. His name was Taylor, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to get in touch with Taylor. I thought I had his number, but we don't. So if Taylor happens to be listening to this, then. Uh, Please reach out and say hello live on Forlets Podcast at gmail.com. Just just email and we'll start a group chat or something like that. So we eventually found a small hidden merch booth next to the main post show exit without a line. We grabbed posters, reconnected with the group in our main outdoor area. A few forgotten boardwalk peers later with the brewer Seth. Hi Seth, Seth Dahl, I'm sure he'd be listening too. So this was interesting. This was another thing I, I really wanted to tell everybody to go and try out Seth's beer. And it was there, and I kind of got the sense that, oh, it would be at multiple stands. And and I, I was like, that's, that's great. I can just kind of send everybody wherever. It was in one place, literally like the back of everything, the, like completely out of the way. It was in a very small refrigerator, so you couldn't even really see, like, okay, what is that? So I had to, I felt bad. I wanted to get him some sales. So I, there's a really good picture of me, you know, double fisting. And I, I made sure that everybody that kind of congregated around us went and got his, his, his beer, whether people liked it or not. And then we ended up hanging out with Seth and a bunch of the brewers as well, which was very, very cool. So uh, Seth's a good guy, too. So now it was time to find the perfect lawn spot. We grabbed friends and made our way. The lawn there is a little further back from the seating area and stage, but the way this theater is built, the sound hits you dead center and gives you a really enjoyable experience. Josh crushed it with some support from Mike. I believe they did Nutshell that night. I can't quite remember, but I think they did. Then it was go time. I was seeing the band I had to miss a few nights before, and all was right with the world. 
At this point, some people would do a quick set rundown, a sizzle reel of their favorite moments, but I'm not going to do that. It would take me too long, and Randy and John will go into full details that y'all need. What I will say is that this show ripped. A strong yet solemn open of five tunes, followed by 23 more that kicked my teeth in. The performance and song choices had us asking each other if we had somehow time-traveled to the 90s, because nothing was left on the stage. They poured it all out to the audience, and as always, made it memorable. I got around eight of my favorite all-time Pearl Jam songs in one show, and the rest was some of the best I've heard them do live to date. We met in a lot after, did a quick recap recording with our group, with the podcast community, and then we had everybody sign the Live and Four Legs banner, and while Randy headed over to do his continued run of shows, I headed home for the first time in about five days. From Boston to Camden with my two favorite bands and all my favorite people is all I can ask for. Would you like to know Matt's rating? Let's hear it. Nine out of ten. One point deducted for hmm. be <laughs> for eruption. He oh, deducted okay. it for eruption. I, okay, that's one point. That's feel high. You, feel you on that. That's, that's uh, high. I, I yeah, don't a, little, a little harsh. There's at least a good story that was attached to it. So, yeah, that was Matt, and you know Matt wanted to actually join this and couldn't do it, and then I asked him to record something, and he said I don't have a mic. So this was what we got. So it was great, and uh, thanks, he's. Matt. He's our buddy, so yeah. we thank him so much. I'll give a shout-out to Nick and his wife, Aaron too, that we were hanging out with the whole entire night in case I end up forgetting that later, and I did get in touch with Nick, and he was just like, loved being around the group the whole entire time, and I got to give out more shout-outs to uh, Tom Gregory, who was around, and his friend that he had tickets with, and it felt like more and more people, I'd spot them out of the corner of my eye when we were just hanging out like by where Seth's beer was, was being sold, and I would just be like, yeah, come by, just hang out, just hang out. We had, like, pictures of all of us just hanging out. Uh, Ryan Morton as well came by, hung out, and got to talk to him, and he had a, a buddy with him that I believe when he did his episode request, the buddy that was with him was the guy that took him to the show, I believe it was Mountain View in 03. So it was, it was a nice little kind of come and full circle there. It was nice to meet him and everything as well. That's the best way to kind of prepare a day for going to see Pearl Jam. It's like meeting up with old friends, meeting up with new friends. And then the lawn, what's so great, and you know they don't play a lot of amphitheaters, which honestly, we're about to do the question of the week, and it's kind of about amphitheaters. It's nice to be able to just kind of pick your spot with a bunch of people you don't necessarily at every concert get to just stand there and watch it with everybody that you know and in this instance when you're on the lawn yeah that's it's a perfect opportunity to do that obviously so that was something that i really really liked and very very cool experience and the show was just a freaking blast as you'll know in just a second so as just mentioned the question of the week was with the Camden show last year and the Indianapolis show happening this year, getting outdoor amphitheater treatment with the lawn and everything like that, do you prefer to see Pearl Jam at an outdoor amphitheater or inside an arena? Which do you think has the better sound quality and atmosphere? John, I've talked a lot. You can do it. Go for it. <laughs> Real quick, personally for me, I've seen them in both. It's been a long time since I've seen them in the amphitheater, probably going back to 1998. And then I've, I saw them outside at a festival in, 
in 2012, and then you know last year in Louisville as well. But I think they get Wrigley at Wrigley too. That's right. But like I think they do outdoor very well. Like there are some songs we talk about all the time. Like some songs benefit from having that open air feeling and from being in that atmosphere. If you get one of those shows where it feels like the set list is tailored to being outside. It can be really special. The arenas are really special too, but I've got a couple of these here. You mentioned Nick Smith. He actually mentioned the show. He said, it's funny going into Camden. I would have said indoor all the way, but Camden felt great. Looking forward to being outside in Indy. And he says, my favorite is outdoor, but close a la Seattle and Missoula. Yeah. I think if you want the music to just hit you and you want to have that, Uh, connection and experience with it i think that the arena is the best spot for that like you just feel everything surrounding you and the sound just reverberates off the wall so well in most arenas at least and i think that outdoor is really like the soaring stuff and the atmosphere vibe i like that for that it's a little tough when there's a roof on top of the seated section it's a little tougher fully to soar because it doesn't go travel upward it kind of travels outward so you're still getting that but i mean it could be like a ballpark a ballpark is just full totally into the air and i love that sound i think both of them have their benefits i do lean towards arena though i believe Hmm. okay yeah a few people said that steve bennett says indoor 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 million times better travis howell says Inside Arena, 100%. A lot of people, again, mentioned the sound quality. Uh, Jerry Rushing says, indoor, no question for the sound quality. But like I said, outdoor can easily make up for that in atmosphere. If you look at the Gorge, Wrigley, Ohana, things like that. So, yeah, just think it, it depends on, you know, what kind of show you're getting and, and how they're going to tailor the set list. But, you know, nowadays they can do both very, very well. It seemed like it was 55 to 45 Arena, if I were to say. So that's that's pretty good uh, ratio there. All right. Well, before the opener, of course, everybody just kind of standing around in a circle and getting ready and waiting for the lights to go down and everything like that. We were all kind of anticipating well, what's it going to be. You know, what's your pick? What's your pick? And I was doing things a little bit different with predictions this year. And what I did in Toronto was I actually just went totally bold prediction here and i said all right my bold prediction was i think that leash was going to be played and i wasn't wrong but i also wasn't right (laughs) we heard leash a portion of it but you know it was at least in the vicinity and they ended up playing it at this show too so that was that was nice to kind of get it after everything that happened so going around in the circle i don't think i had an opener that i wanted to predict i just wanted to do another big bold prediction and my big bold prediction for this show was that i thought that black would be in the top four and what happened in the next show at, at nashville john yeah yeah they did they pulled it out then had they done that at that point by then in the seated part no Hmm. No, that's that's kind of what made me think of it. And I was thinking back to some of those uh, 2014 versions where they played it very, very early on. And I, I believe in 2002, they played it very, very early on as well. Like some of those late December Seattle versions, I believe it was really, really early on in the set. So I was just kind of thinking back to that. And they ended up doing it in Nashville. It was great. So everybody said wash. It was just completely agreed on. One person was said it, wash. Was it raining during the day? No. It was a beautiful day, beautiful day, but it felt like the last couple shows, you know, we had release, we had daughter, 
we had footsteps from Apollo. I don't remember what yeah. some of the other Canadian shows had. I think there was another daughter or two or something like that. But it just felt like it was time for a wash show. And it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia has the tendency of getting rare songs. So everybody said it, and I was on board with it. And what the hell happened? They got it. like a double opener though like i consider wash and ocean sort of to be together on this because if you remember from richie and dermot's interview they had said that ed put this together because they played both of these songs at dops i thought this opener you know obviously they're doing the seated opener that was the thing on the north american legs so you knew you were getting that wash i thought was very very slow and very deliberate getting Wash and Oceans together. This is the first time you're looking at 32 years of Pearl Jam at this point. This is the first time that Wash and Oceans have been played back to back, which is kind of interesting. I think in the early days, they didn't get played a lot at the same show because they were kind of serving the same purpose there. But you mentioned the Dobbs thing, you know, that was the first time they had ever been, Wash and Oceans were ever played at the same show, period. And then they only went on to do it, I think, just a handful of times in 91 and 92, including the one in Athens, Georgia, for some reason. But yeah, that's an interesting tidbit, too. I think there's a couple of those that showed up in the last couple of years that, like, the release of Long Road being played back-to-back for the first time and stuff like that. But that's a cool tidbit. He'll mention Dobbs again later on in the show, but getting to hear that from Richie and Derma was super cool. Yeah, and for Wash, I love this version of Wash. I loved it while I was there, and I was just kind of getting into the groove of the show but you you use the word deliberate and i think that's a great example of what this was and a lot of these songs just kind of go back to what that original groove was and i felt like wash really dug into what wash kind of sounded like in 1991 1992 with what they can do now with their equipment and their sound and how full their sound can be you know it's the pacing that they would play it in clubs and places like that but it's the way that the pearl jam experiences now and i thought that mike just sounded 
red hot during this and he was just going off in certain places and he was very very visible the whole entire time felt like he was a little more bluesy too so maybe that contributed to the early kind of feeling of it like back when he was in his full like stevie ray vaughn mode yeah definitely a really bluesy solo and wash so i don't know if you noticed this but before oceans usually they do a one two three four for this one two three four Hold on to the the current I said to everybody, I'm like, okay, cool, small town, great. You know, that pretty much expecting in that kind of set. And then once they dug into Oceans, I was, it, it was like this right out of left field surprise. And we were all like, no, holy crap. Like, I think we were all in the same boat. Like once I said small town we were like yeah yeah of course and it kind of happened in like that two second period of time where you know your your mind is is thinking one thing and then just gets swerved and there's going to be a couple times in this show where that happens believe it or not but this is the first time that i heard oceans since 2013 just love the song and was really itching to hear it again and a lot of personal things about this show and and the songs that we got in this set was just I was getting to hear stuff that I hadn't heard in a very 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 long time it just kind of gave me like a new found love for the songs again and really since I had heard some of these songs I'll get to it in a couple of minutes with hard to imagine like it had been years so I had grown more of an attachment to those songs over time so it meant so much more that it had such a long delay and then Ocean's not as long as Art to Imagine and then later when we get with Inside Job, but it was still felt really special to hear that there. What was Matt's reaction to Ocean's Did he turn around, turn his nose up? No, he laughed it off. I, I looked at him <laughs> and he was just like, oh, yeah, of course. Because I, I think that was the opener for the Wrigley show he went to. And I think I remember him saying that he kind of did the same thing. Like, oh, of course they would do it. I'm here. Of course they would do it kind of thing. So. And you mentioned a lot of the, the old songs being played. You should mention, too, like there's 27 songs of this set. 13 of them are from the Tenon versus era. So <laughs> if you get the sense that this we're going to we're going to call this show like crowd friendly and all that ties back to a lot of 10 songs, a lot of versus songs here. All right, Ed's going to speak for the first time here. Good evening, everybody. I remember this place now. Do I say good evening, Jersey? Good evening, Philly. And of course, good evening, Philly gets the best reaction of, of the bunch. He says, where the hell are we? Should I say good evening, Camden? I remember being here before, bringing back lots of good memories. One time, Mud Honey opened up for us here. I know this ain't the Spectrum. We blew that place up. And I know this ain't JC Dobbs that held about 150 people. I do believe that this will be the biggest show that we play in the United States this summer. Thank you for coming out in numbers and spending part of your summer with us. Daughter and Hard to Imagine are going to be next. Hard to Imagine is obviously the one I'm going to spend as much time on as I can. But Daughter sounded really good too. I don't necessarily remember that being a massive moment. Whenever I do hear Daughter live, I kind of go on default mode and I just enjoy the song for what it is. But with so much else going on in the show, like it was hard to kind of put that in the forefront when it was a pretty good version of Daughter, but like not something special 
in a way where a lot of other things were. But we get an androgynous mind tag here doing a little hey, hey, it's okay, but it's kind of sort of, more like a yeah. chant. Yeah. yeah. And he kind of says uh, somewhere in there, vote and it'll be okay. Great crowd response on this. Like, this is the crowd really reacting with the band for the first time. And that was a big thing for this night that the crowd had to be on their game. And Philly crowds are just, it's really my first actual experience with a Philly crowd. And they brought it. Uh, what a great crowd this was. Yeah, gets a really good response. The thing that stuck out to me is, you know, Ed, sometimes, you know, after he finishes and he'll kind of let stone build into the tag a little bit and kind of transition it this one he does not do that he goes right into doing a vocal tag on it does not give the song just a moment to breathe in between it starts right away i don't know if that was done on purpose to be like hey we're going to try to squeeze in a lot of songs tonight we need to squeeze every second out of this that we can there's not as many stories as there were last week there are still a lot still a lot but yeah i wonder if that was just a function of like let's get this going right away or if he was just feeling it with the crowd or something yeah i don't know i think they were really itching to get to hard to imagine Probably. that's how that's how i'm gonna put that mm-hmm. so ed beforehand says we got one more with a bit of composure and after that we're gonna turn up the heat and then while this is happening i hear stone noodling those notes and in my mind I think, no, 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 that's, that's something else. Like he's just fucking around for two seconds that, that can't be. And I think like everybody else is just kind of at least got their eyes wide and everything like that. And then we hear that intro. Oh my goodness. This just, I, I love this song so much. And the last time that I had heard it was my second show. It was the opener for the United Center show in Chicago the second night. I didn't know the song terribly well then. I knew it, but like I I didn't have a connection with it at the time. So it was hard for me to create that vibe when I was there. You know, I was just kind of listening to it. I'm like, wow, this is a good song and I should listen to it way more often. But 13, 14 more years go by and listen to a song more and more. And I feel like this is one where it's just kind of continued to creep up into my top 10 and just keep getting higher and higher as, as time went on. And for some reason, the past like three or four years, it's, it's just one that I can't get enough of, that I love listening to the live versions that they put together of this. We did an Evolution episode on that, and I was really excited to do that. I think we did a really good job with that. But I felt like during the song, that I was having some sort of trance-like experience here where everything else in the amphitheater, people, noise, whatever else, it was just me and them. And I was just fixated on the song so much that I never care how loud I sing, but I don't think I knew how loud I was singing in this. It was just I was just letting it go because I was just so in love with hearing this just otherworldly and I don't even know if at that moment I I realized how amazing of a version it was and then when listening to this on the boot I've listened to this a couple of times but really when I was listening to it in preparation for this and hearing especially the ending and hearing how much that gelled and Ed picking up a guitar and Josh picking up a guitar the very rare four guitar attack in this that sounded incredible the drums sound incredible it it hit you hard 
this is a phenomenal performance and maybe of the whole entire six show run top five at least of all the songs that i had heard and that's not just saying because i was begging for it and dying for it that was saying because it just hit me in all the right places it's such a great performance Yeah, 2022, again, hard to imagine having a little bit of a resurgence has played for the most times in a year since 2008. I agree this is a very good version. However, you know, personally for me, it reminded me of a little bit of, of 2013 when I missed In My Tree and they bookended both the show that I went to with playing it in Charlottesville and New Orleans, didn't play it in Charlotte. I have never seen Hard to Imagine live. I would love to see it, but they did play it at this show, which is the show before I started going and they played it in Oklahoma City after the shows that I had already seen. So a little bittersweet for me, but still a very good performance. Yeah, it's just such a soaring, majestic song. Oh, yeah. And great for the kind of the kick the chairs down moment, too, because it does get to the big ending. And like I said, when Ed puts on the guitar, that's really cool. It's a cool visual, too. So the next three are all going to be the kind of get you going songs from the beginning of the set. But I hate to say that they're not typical because they do seem typical, but I don't think... I thought we were going to get Animal to follow up on Hard to Imagine. That felt kind of unique, and that felt like it was kind of building in a different way than maybe getting a corduroy after Hard to Imagine was. And Animal and Minor Matters and Evolution here were all great as a, as a triple threat. And the, the way that Animal and a lot of these songs are drop-tuned in this show, but Animal especially just sounded dark. And almost kind of, if, if you depict the song in a certain way, it is a very, very dark song, or it can be. So you use the word deliberate before on Wash, and I'll use it again here. Oh, it's yeah. a lot less bouncy and more like kind of villainous in a way. Sinister. Well, sinister. Yeah. Sinister is a good way to put that. And I, uh, yeah. Mike was ripping on this one, too. Yeah, what did you think? The, yeah, uh, I thought and yeah, Animal 2, again, reminded me a lot of the early way these play. Like, sometimes they will speed it up and it'll be paced pretty quickly, but this one was definitely not that. And, you know, we, we saw that again last year that since they were, things were starting to slow down a little bit, and it, that brought back a lot of the, like I said, on Wash, a lot of the original groove on things. But the down-tuning, we, you know, we look at the set list, see the red dots, you know what's being down-tuned. Hard to imagine an animal does not bother me at all. 
but mind your manners, I think, yeah, just did not sound good. Agreed. Yeah, it was okay as it was, but it's not my favorite drop either. Nothing really else there, but my God, you talk about groove and you talk about songs that you want to sound like the original going back to when you put on the record and, and listen to it in your room. Do the evolution. This version just feels nostalgic in that way because again close to album pace and also when you're listening to it especially when stone's going into that signature solo that he has i i saw death girl it gave me total death girl vibes during this and and like that shot in the music video where she's dancing and it's kind of light flickering and things like that like that's deliberately paced out to make that shot be able to kind of breathe like that and when he was doing it and I was sitting there listening and watching, I'm like, Death Girl's dancing right now. I, I could not get that out of my head. Stone sounds incredible on this version. And this was a, a breath of fresh air for Evolution because sometimes it's, it's one they, they just like to have a party with and it's great to hear. But like they felt like they were out to kind of kick some ass with this version. I think there's somebody else that actually feels the same way here. His name is Javier. He's the gear guru, and I was talking a little bit about Stone, and a little stuff that he was doing in this sounded kind of almost metallic, a little bit kind of metal here. He's going to go over what he heard out of Evolution and kind of bring it to more of a professional description of this. So let's just hear from Javier. Hey Randy, hey John, hey everyone in the podcast. So for this week we are covering Camden 2022. So many interesting things to continue to talk about this tour and the new approach that the guys were taking to just to perform the songs live. I think we need to start with the fact that they were really trying to get as close as they can to the original version and do the evolution is a really good example of this. Every single part the Stone was playing, when you're listening to that little riff that he plays by himself, he's playing with the wah pedal down, like the foot is down. It's still activated, but you can get that super like racer-like sound. And also for the first time, I think since, geez, I, I think this is the first time ever, there's no two screamers on any other boards. I know that's weird because if you have been following Pearl Jam and all the gear that they used, that was like the pedal that it was always around. They're really trying new things. When I was doing a lot of research related with what they were using now, they're pushing more the distortion side of things instead of overdrives. Like the overdrive is gonna create more like a natural warm sound distortion pedals are going to create something a little bit more aggressive and a stone definitely is going towards that side for this tour he was using the origin effects revival drive that is something that's really 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 going to thrive the amp in front you can get very loud with that one in a swollen pickle which is a fuzz pedal which 
I think he might be combining both of them or maybe running in both in parallel, who knows. But it really, really takes the band to a different sound, takes the band to a different like approach. And it's cool. I, I, I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do for this tour when it comes to sounds and when it comes to equipment. Thanks, Javier. And Great that's stuff, not, as always. Nah, it's not the last time we'll hear from you. And Ed says, the first time we played this song in this part of the country, it was at Dobbs. I'd look to the back and ask the crowd how they were doing, and it would be out to here, and he's kind of like pointing out to the first couple rows. This song is Jeff Ament on the 12-string bass guitar, some heavy ossetune, Let's Go Deep. So the combo is going to be deep into the interstellar overdrive corduroy combination. Deep sounds really good, along with kind of the last three, heavy bite. I thought that those had kind of a bite to them, and it felt like every song one after the other like you can just hear those like pinpoint moments and again deliberate sounding deep sounded really good off of that i, I thought that that was a really nice version but i mean interstellar overdrive in the corduroy like that's something special as well we're getting again a big big epic version of corduroy with a, i thought a really good more melodic I mean, not not as much of a showy but more like kind of a fluid melodic solo from mike that really fit the moment i thought corduroy was very very good and what don't we get from this version of corduroy we don't get the call and response moment it's the extended jam but they don't do any whoa they don't do any of that they just go right into that everything has changed i wonder and if that was a time crunch thing too just like daughter maybe i have no idea yeah. but he kind yeah. of brings it back a little like this just it, it has so much energy you can tell ed multiple times in this show is just in such a great mood like he can feed off of the crowd and the crowd is giving him something to work with and there were so many times where in corduroy he was just kind of shouting and, and continuing kind of his rock and roll attitude on this and yeah like those little things from ed just putting into that just made it a really just fun energetic version that kind of broke a sweat to is like i kind of remember just jumping up and down the whole entire time and like everything at this point forward i don't think that there's a performance in this show that i don't love minor matters might be the one outlier but even so i can listen to that yeah I, everything else i absolutely love in this all right, Ed says the next one's going to be dedicated to one of the greatest human beings and one of our favorites of all time, pre-Michael Jordan, pre-Kobe, pre-LeBron. He's the first one who took flight. Dr. J, this one is for you. So giving a fly happened here. Great version. And I think that Cameron was a highlight on this. I don't know if you heard, like, right when they get to the well fuckers line, he starts kind of hammering into the chorus and he starts kind of pounding and building off of that. And I, I thought that Cameron sounded really good on this version. Yeah, another one that sounds really good outdoors, and I think really soars and benefits from being in the kind of amphitheater setting here, especially coming off of Corduroy, given the fly is perfect there, just builds off into that, and Cameron and I agree at the end, sounded fantastic. Ed's going to share something with us real quick. Jeff and I grew up watching him and got to meet him in 98 or 96. We got a handshake with Dr. J. It was the kind where you do the pull-off thing, and it just kept going and going and going. He had outfielder's mitts for hands. This song is having the most beautiful house on the planet, a place with so much beauty that you can't even get to all the places before the end of your life. It's about Earth and then moving into a tiny trailer. 
This one's about people who think we can keep our species alive by moving to Mars. Are you fucking crazy, you fucking rich person? Try saving Gee. some money. Gee, I wonder who that's about. <laughs> oh, a little too obvious. Try saving some money to save the fucking planet before you try and get us all to follow you to some deserted... Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to have an opinion. I love this planet. I love the people on it. It's going to be quick escape and retrograde back to back. But um, yeah, pretty obvious that the Twitter fucker is the one that he's he's talking about right, here. Right. Retrograde to me is like, again, the one. This was the first time that I heard retrograde, but like quick escape deserves all the mention and love here as well. And we're going to get to Javier in just a second. But every piece of this song, everybody that had a role in it nailed it cameron's pounding away and then of course like mike is going off with the stolo and, and stone is doing that rhythm that kind of like rigidy rhythm that he has on this that's a little metallic kind of same as what we were talking about before but obviously is going to get back into that second stone's guitar sounds amazing but also like jeff his bass in this is providing like all of those punches while while mike is like punching you in the face jeff is punching you in the gut with all of his might and you're like i can't take these punches to the face because my gut is being demolished right now so everybody doing their job in this just made this just sort of a pulverizing version i don't know if this even makes the top 10 of amazing performances from this night but that just goes to show how incredible this was yeah and the first gigaton song of the night that you're finally getting one of the new ones i think probably one of the latest they'd ever broken that on the set you're getting nearly past the halfway point here quick escape i thought was good it was a really long solo by mike it didn't feel like it had kind of the, and again, I wasn't in the building, you were there, but just listening to it didn't feel like it had kind of the energy and the bombastic feel of some of the other versions that we've heard, but I did think Retrograde did bring that. I agree, I think Retrograde is the highlight here, and that's saying something because Quick Escape has been really good. Well, before we get into Retrograde, let's get into Javier, who's going to talk a little bit about Quick Escape right here. Quick Escape is another really good example of where we can listen to like this direction that the man was trying to take for this tour. For example, Stone Main's guitar on 2022 was Gibson Les Paul, Signature Model, Semi-Hollow. This guitar was made only in between 1973 and 1979, extremely rare, and the pickups that the guitar has, they're very low gain. So it makes sense that he was trying to get pedals that were going to be more high gain to sound a little bit more in front of the mix and not to get lost with the rest of the band. And in Quickscape, you can really listen to all these changes. It's kind of like you're listening to different colors throughout the song. Same thing with even flow, like he sounds very, very heavy on the riff, even heavier now that they went half step down in a few shows. It's a very nice compliment for him. On Mike's side, he's always going nuts at the end, right? Personal opinion, I don't ever think that he has achieved the same solo that he got on the recording for Gigaton. Personal opinion, 
don't get mad at me, but I don't think I've heard a solo of him just still getting there and getting the same vibe that he got on the original recording. But another cool thing to mention about this, and specifically this song, is the fact that Mike most likely is running every single pedal on by the end of Quickscape. And there's one that is very prominent, and this is exactly the sound that Randy and John, you guys heard on a live on our previous show. And this pedal is called the Electric Mistress, that is made by Electroharmonics. It's a pedal that it has flanger, filter, and envelope at the same time. It's like you're running your guitar underwater, basically, and it sounds so cool. And this is a pedal that it was very well known used by a lot of metalheads in the 80s. So yeah, it makes sense that Mike is running it right now. This showed up around 2013 on his board and it hasn't left since. So yeah, there you go. All right. Well, we're going to a 1992 show next week. So we'll have to find something for Javier to talk about then. Maybe we'll just kind of do a Dave A fest or something like that. But it was nice for the last two weeks to get him talking about some of the newer songs. So once again, he's a champion. He's the MVP of this show. So thank you so much to the gear guru. Retrograde. Oh man. Like, yeah, I really, really wanted to hear this. And at this point I'd heard a couple of new Gigaton ones that I hadn't heard in Jersey up in Toronto and I hadn't heard Retrograde to this point yet. I think out of what was left, it was probably the one I wanted to hear the most. And I don't think I knew what I was in for for this. Like, I thought this was going to be good. I thought it was going to excel and have a big, powerful moment and, and it'd be fine. But I didn't think it was going to explode off the speakers the way it did. And the way that I can describe it, and I I think I didn't mention that in our conversation with with Richie and Dermot, going back to that, is that I sort of remember getting to that moment where Ed is kind of screaming, he's like, is it the crowd? Is it the crowd? And he'll say before the song, like, when we get to the part, you'll get it, you'll see it, you'll feel it, you'll hear it. And he wants the crowd to, to be a part of that. And once they get to that, it felt like Mike turned up his amps to the highest capacity. And it felt like the show just got louder at that point. And I asked a couple other people if they thought the same way. And Javier even said he, he thought the same way just listening to the boot. To me, that it was just mind bending. I wasn't even thinking about that. And then, like, all of a sudden, it was just a huge sound burst coming at you, and you're taken away by it. It's like the guy sitting in front of the screen and and getting his hair blown out by by the sound from the THX, you know? That was that kind of moment. It's absolutely thunderous. And, yeah, I remember, you know, thinking the same thing from St. Louis. Like, it just got several times louder in here as soon as that ending part kicks in. And, yeah, this one just felt like hammering out of the amps there's even a part i think too mike realizes it like at the end he does the thing he just leans on the speaker and just leans his guitar out to the crowd like here i've i've gotten everything i can out of this right now you guys are gonna have to do this just the look on his face it was just like yeah like like you said at the beginning like we've left everything out on this like just overcome by what's happening on stage ed too you can see it in it like when that part kicks in there's like a change in their demeanor on stage like we're getting into some heavy shit right now it's yeah retrograde i think is maybe the performance of this night 
and I really hope it sticks around when they come back this year. decibels were just brought up through the roof and it just not yeah. only gave the song the boost but i think it gave the entire show an even bigger but i don't know how that was possible but i think the show was elevated at that point going forward and and really accelerated with with the rest of what they were doing because i don't think it went back to being that level sound that it was before mm-hmm. retrograde so right. yeah here we go right even flow here. I like this version. Mike was getting a little bit spacey in the intro. I thought was interesting. Stone's riff with the down tune feels really, really heavy, especially during in the solo. You're getting a heavy dose of some of the Stones again. Some of his metallic sounding pedal that he seemed to be loving on this tour. Very Black Sabbath sound to it. Just thought it was terrific from him. And Mike's solo was great. I don't think he did anything that he ever done before, but it was kind of at the ending. He took a couple extra seconds to do some like pretty flashy hammer-ons at the end there that was that was pretty cool sounding and it's funny too ed started off says oh i can't remember what this one's called yeah right like like they haven't played it 900 times he takes a second to say here the two years of isolation feeling alone divided and sequestered has been difficult but to have the lights up here be able to see faces and he even looks back, he's like, it's great to see faces. And he looks back at Stone, he's like, there's some good ones out there tonight. And he looks at, looks at him, he's kind of insinuating because uh, Stone was wearing a mask for all the Canadian shows there. So Yeah, it's, it's uh, nice to see yours too. Right, right, huh? Yep. So that would get you into Untitled and MFC. This was the first time I heard this. Not just MFC on its own, but for both on the combo. I, I don't yeah. think I'd... This is the way I would want it. I heard the strumming on Untitled and I nearly lost it. It felt like all of the songs that I really wanted to hear that were played at this show had some emotional tie to them. It couldn't just be like, oh, Brain of Jay's being played. Ah, oh, cool, good rock and roll song. No, it's, it's the ones that you have, like an impact with that you have a deeper connection to so yeah like again i was just in that trance 
I was just focusing on that song in that moment. Everything else was shut out and, you know, waiting for the moments where Ed kind of changes some lyrics. He does the whole, we'll head on over to the liquor store thing that got a nice pop from the crowd. And it's just something about being on tour and going to see shows for 14 years. I believe this was my 24th show. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but I, I've at least gone to one every year that they've done something since since 2008. So it's been consistent. And after 14 years to get a song that you never gotten before, it, it does feel special, especially one that you do hold in this high of regard. I, I was just taken away by it. With you, I will never feel alone. All I need is you. Oh, I want is you. Yeah, this is actually the first time they played it in the U.S. since Oakland 2013. So wow. So about, about 10 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Another one that yeah, I had never heard that I would love to. Yeah, the, the combination here, it felt like if you didn't stop to take it in for a second, it just felt like it happened in a minute and flash and it was gone. The combination is 4 minutes and 30 seconds in total, but I think you get so like lost in the trance and then... Once you get out of MFC, you're like, oh, where did that go? I wanted more of that. Like, it would have been great to have, like, Untitled for, like, seven minutes or something. No, yeah, I always wanted to go on for longer. Yeah. Right? And MFC but, is just two, two and a half minutes and done. I know. I know. And there is something from MFC. And after, like, sort of the initial, like, holy crap that they're playing this, my thought is that, okay, this is the moment. I'm finally gonna get the gnawing. I'm finally gonna get the gnawing here. So I'm waiting. First chorus, there's no leaving here. Ask on here, please disappear. And I'm waiting for it. And Ed instead thinks there's another chorus line attached to it because that's that's what happens on the second chorus. And he completely disregards it. I'm like, oh no. Oh no, are we gonna go the full song without getting my gnaws? Yeah. It happened. I made sure to look back at everybody that we were with and did that to kind of make a show of it. Look like, hey, that's my inside joke. That's the joke that I make the whole entire time that I'm on the podcast whenever this comes up. Just exciting and fun to hear. Not for you and whoever said right here, not for you, this drum intro into this. Ooh. Yeah, I, we were all thinking that they were about to go into seven o'clock and mm -hmm. like it sounded like that when we were there, but listening to it on the boot, it just sounded like a really long extended not for you intro. But we did think that this was going to be 7 o'clock right here. But then, again, just like Oceans, when you're getting those chords for Not For You, you're like, oh, okay, we see what this is now. Like, this, this is excellent. This is a 
a superior version of Not For You. Like, it's Ed giving the crowd the moment to sing every chance they can. It's how tight they were, how much of a bite it had, like mentioned before with some of the earlier songs. This one had a huge bite in it. And again, it's it's Ed going off and having a good time. And he's singing that, that bridge part. And he's singing, my friends, they never call me. He's having fun with it. He's getting into the show. He's, he's energized. And I, I think it's all like the connection that he has with the crowd. And it gets riled up and it's really good and really tight. And then we get sort of a heartfelt moment from him before we get into Modern Girl. Now we've only been here about 24 hours and we've met so many nice people today. So many nice people in the streets and in our places where we're hanging and, uh, and I gotta say of, of all the places we've been in the last month, shit, all the places we've been in the last six months, it's, it, it, we, we've been, uh, we've seen like incredible crazy heat, we've seen floods, we've seen cold, we've seen wildfires. And then we get here, it's like Goldilocks. Perfect fucking day here. Perfect, beautiful day. You appreciate it more now. By whole life, like a picture on a sunny day, oh my. It was kind of surreal. You don't get that kind of moment from Not For You ever. They don't go into any sort of like discussion or anything like that. Maybe one or two times that in 1995 they said fuck you to somebody. But not like this. Not like, oh, all the these places we've seen heat and flood and all that. But today was Goldilocks, a perfect fucking day. Like, it just felt so good to be there when hearing that. It's really good. And again, I, I think the crowd is the thing here too. Like you mentioned him just giving it to them. The crowd sounded really, really big and really, really energetic on it. I think in, in 2022, a lot of the, the shows that we've done, the handful that we've done so far, every time we've gotten a few, it's been like, oh yeah, that's a highlight. That's a big version. And I think that's going to continue. I think they really made a point to make it more of a big thing and add some more of that bite to it. So yeah, I thought this was really, really good. Yep, and going to be really hard. I might have to take some liberties when it comes to the top three. <laughs> really, really hard not to put that one in. Top three, sure. top only three moments that weren't moments is going to be yours. There's the only three songs that weren't moments. You can do a reverse one. I think I'm just going to mention everything that I really, really liked, and yeah. it'll tie for number one. <laughs> whoever said is following up, and this is whoever said on that hot streak here. You know, third out of three shows where I got it, but I mean, I think it's been played every single night on the tour so far. I think the only night that it's not going to be played is going to be the Oklahoma City show. 
So I think the best part about this, like you get the moment where it kind of gets hazy and you know, he's doing the, all the answers will be found and the mistakes that we have made. It's getting preachy, but in a good way, but it's sort of building from Ed to kind of have an honest moment to have when he's doing the, I feed him drinks just to watch him drown and get just intense and angry with this and bitter. And I think that's what makes these versions on this run so good is that he's able to tap into that and just nail that whole entire part without even taking a breath almost. That's really, really impressive, especially we talked about last week, all of the lyrics that are in some of the Gigaton songs now, and there's a lot to remember, but Ed tears this to shreds. That's what makes this so captivating to get to the ending here. And I know you don't love the fact that it's it's a five minute song, you'd rather it be a three and a half minute song, but to build to get to that moment, I feel like you need all of it. It's fine, I guess. Like I don't have anything negative really to say about it, but it's, it's a not great a rock and roll song. But they did Devo through Rolling well, Stones on Osmosis. Yeah, you have to do Devo. Devo, and he's we'll say it, Devo, Devo. So, yeah, that that's can't get me no satisfaction for those uh, asking out there. So, all right, you want to hear what Ed's dream is? Because he woke up this morning and had one. And he was running up the rocky steps at the library. And he mentions, you know, the ones that we played at the Jay-Z Festival, 99 Problems and a Beer on the Wall. <laughs> that actually got a really good laugh out of me. But then all of a sudden, the smoke came from behind the library, and it was something I've never seen before. A fucking volcano. The Philly volcano. Dreams are weird, you know. I don't know what it means. And then some guy shouts out Dirty Frank. So, yeah just helps the moment but i asked mike mccready to play this song and obviously with a volcano you got to play eruption do we really think that ed asked mike to play this i mean do we really think that he's like i really want to hear eruption i think maybe he needed he needs a break after whoever said probably no no i i think what the story was because he had told richie and and dermot about the volcano story when they were talking to him back there. So I, I think he probably went to Mike and was like, yo, this, this freaking volcano. And Mike was like, all right, eruption. It's in, it's settled. And I don't think Mike is going to say no to that, but yeah, yeah. yeah, Ed probably didn't need the break. I think that we're both right. I think it was put here for the break, but I think it was played overall because of the dream scenario. That's fair. This is the moment that made Matt give this a nine. <laughs> I just took it as a two-minute Van Halen solo, and then what are we going to get next? And we're going into why go after that. When listening back to the recap episode we did, I I don't know if I noticed this, but Amy had said in the recap episode that the beginning to why go actually felt like the beginning to Dance of the Clairvoyance. I don't think I remember that, but she had said that. So that's just another one that fits in with the oceans and not for you that that we've been yeah, talking about. Yeah, they kind of start with that, like as right. that kind of drum hit to start, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's so heavy on 10 and that era, like you're getting to this point and it's the fourth and fifth 10 songs and it feels like you really spent... and. Technically, this main set is 20. It feels like you really spent this set going back to 1991, 1992. So it's, it is weird to, to see that the last two were only four and five and not like eight. Yeah. 
Yeah, to, but again, why go in porch to end a main set is just, you're going to set this crowd on fire. I don't have a lot of memory of why go, to be honest with you. I think it was just kind of coming at that time where everything was a knockout punch from uh, uh, washed on. <laughs> Believe it or not. The speech that comes afterwards that's going to get into Porch, I, I, I do remember, because obviously you always remember when he says, oh, we're, we're going to pay the fine for the curfew. We got the place. After waiting two and a half years, we appreciate your patience and support and strength, and we'd like to pay you back in kind. Philly and Jersey, you've always been really good to us. I think about Philly, and I think about freedom, and I think about Jersey, and I think about Bruce and all of his songs about freedom, like No Surrender and Born to Run. I'm going to take one quick second to say that in November, freedom is on the ballot. When we think of freedom, we think about choice. We think about the candidate. Your voting rights are being threatened. Then when I think about the most important choice for some of the most important people on the planet, that would be a woman's right to choose. I don't know one woman who's not smart enough to make that decision on her own, no matter what they decide to choose. Women are registering at a higher numbers than men, so pretty exciting to think that they'll take control once again and take the shit so it's not like we're living 50 years ago. I have daughters. It's crazy. I thank you for hearing us out. Now is the time. Now is the place. This is an important part of the country. Important decisions will be made here. Talk to your friends, neighbors, and community. We love this country, but we love it when it's free. And we are Pearl Jam. We agree with that last message. All right, so that, that'll get you to the closer. It's a fast riffy porch, I suppose. Kind of what that? they were doing last year. Yeah, it's, it's a different take on it. I think last week was more like the one, two, three, four, and in, and, and none of that in the beginning. I think that's why I called this one more riffy than not. But Mike has a little eruption hangover on this, it feels like. It seems like there's a lot of Eddie Van Halen type moves. Flashy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is very flashy. What I remember from this version is that Ed has that guitar out where he's reflecting the light off the pick guard. And I remember just kind of like looking out and then he moved it around so quickly that once he flashed it and it hit my eye, it hit my eye. I'm like, ah, that hurt. Like I literally can't see for a second. And then I'd pick my head back up and he'd flash it again and get right in my eyes again. I'm like, what the fuck? Come on, man. And he was he was pretty erratic with that thing. Like, that was a pretty powerful light that he had emanated from that. So, yeah, that's what I remember from that. But, I mean, of course, great to end a oh, yeah, big I mean, main set off of porch. You're looking, I mean, this is 10 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, an epic, epic version. Mm-hmm. So many good memories from that main set. I hope I expressed all of them in, in the ways that I wanted to, but before that, we got an encore. Let's pause for station identification and talk about some of the friends we made this week over at Patreon, because we have four brand new patrons. Let's thank them all. Let's start off with David Lang. Uh, he got in touch with us actually like a week or so ago, and he was like, hey, it's my birthday, and I wanted to use a free bootleg code. What bootleg should I get from 2022? And I gave him, I think, my top five favorites from the year. And the one he actually ended up picking was Camden. So this is all perfect timing. 
And he told me at that moment, he's like, I'm about to join Patreon. And I'm like, that that's phenomenal. And I, I can't wait to have you there. And uh, he's from Australia too. So a brand new patron from Australia, David Lang. Thank you so much. I know he's a follower on Twitter great. as well. So great to have you there. Then we're going to thank John Baker, another one on Twitter who I got in touch with this past week. I put out a post that, that asked, hey, do you have a request for something? What would be your request if you had one and he had said uh, the Hershey show from 2003. And so I'm like, Oh, well, you know, there is a way that we can do it. And he's like, done, I'm sold. So at some point in the future, we will be doing Hershey 2003. He joined up on the giggle leg tier. John Baker, thank you so much for, for doing that and becoming a patron. Then we have just coming in earlier today, this afternoon, both of these, Richard Green, who I believe I remember talking to him at some point. It's been a while, but I, I think I remember him. He joined up on the bonus leg for the year, so thank you, Richard. And then Carrie Frey joining up on the bonus leg as well. Very, very cool. Thank you, Carrie. And they had also reached out, so uh, great to hear from them. And yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, four is really good. Four is really good, guys. So hopefully the Love Boat Captain Evolution episode is able to entice people. What do you think can entice people to join Patreon? How about an exclusive episode? An exclusive episode? You don't say. How about two exclusive episodes? Ooh, I like that even better. All right. Well, we're going to have two very, very soon. We are going to have the latest in our late night series that is going to focus on the Jules Holland performance from 2006 when they were over there. Love that. And yeah, that will be out at some point later this week, early next week. And then next week, since we were doing a 1992 show, we had some time, you know, smaller sets and everything like that, that we're actually going to do one for Patreon as well. We're going to do the first Avenue club show from 1992 because it's really tough for us to find a spot in the schedule to fit in a Minnesota show for just getting prepped for for the shows come September. We're kind of loaded when it comes to that. So I want to do something Minnesota before we got to that point. And I know we did St. Paul from 2014 earlier this year. So at least there is something, but giving you something else. And we want to talk yeah. about First Avenue Club too. Oh, so First Avenue is legendary going back to like who's and the replacements and all that stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah. One of the most legendary rock clubs in the country. Absolutely. So those two things will be out probably in the span of a week or so. So if you're not on Patreon and want to join to listen to those, to listen to evolution episodes, to listen to other things like we released the full interview with uh, Mike Cribier from last week. If you got to hear our conversation with him, he talked about his brother and the request that he made for his brother for the San Diego show that led to a really, really powerful moment with Long Road. So to me, I think that that is worth the listen there. So if that's something that you're interested in, definitely head on over and join but it is one dollar a month if you want to join the bonus like tier you get all the content and you get uh, many thank yous from from both john and i and if you want to join on the giggle egg tier like john baker did wanted to make a request you do get to make a request for us to do on the show at some point in the future whenever we get time to fill stuff into because we create our schedule very very early on so you gotta get you gotta get those requests in so we can make sure we fill them in as soon as we can so yeah that comes with the giggle egg tier for five dollars a month or if you want to go the extra mile donate ten dollars a month to the horizon leg tier you're free to do that that helps our website 
project that we've been doing, the Concertpedia, which is going to be beefed up once it comes to September 2, and we're going to be up to date on that and working heavily on that as well. And yeah, that'll get you an episode request. It'll get you a profile episode and it'll get you a couple other things. We're going to do some merch packages kind of soon. So we'll get you something from there as well. So the way that you do it, go to patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the Patreon app and search for live on four legs or go to live on four legs.com as previously mentioned and just click the become a patron button. Great stuff this week. And speaking of merch, very, very soon, there will be merch available for the 2023 tour. We are going to try and have meetups at every spot on this tour. So just people getting together and, and it's going to be a really cool shirt. It has less to do with Live on Four Legs than it does to do with the actual tour itself. So we kind of came up with a motto and made a whole nice little graphic on it with the locations and everything like that. So we think you guys will really, really like it. And that'll be for sale on liveonfourlegs.com once that's ready. So just keep that fresh in your head. And that'll be all over the social medias and I will share it and we will share it on the podcast whenever it is available. So I just wanted to plant that seed in your head before we go forward with that. All right, back to the rock and we got a lot more rock left. So much more to do. Ed says, we're not going yet. Summer ain't over yet. He goes around the horn to introduce everybody. Gives a really nice shout out to Josh for making the new song sound exactly like the record and says his mom Kathy is there. This one is dedicated to a great woman. She knows who she is, and it starts with Mike McCready right there. Yeah. Um, oh, man. This was another, like, I thought I thought I was done. I thought I was done with the stuff that was going to hit me the hardest. And then you get an inside job, and it's like, this will never stop. This feels so good, and it'll never stop. Like, it just felt, felt like everything that I was asking for on my Christmas list. Santa Vetter was just throwing it back at me saying, here's a gift and you get another gift and you've been really good this year. And I hadn't heard Inside Job since my first show in 2008. That is a song that I felt like I made a grander connection with later. I want to say it probably started and maybe the wheels in motion kind of came around 2017 where two events sort of happened at the same time. I got laid off from my job that I had with a prominent network on television. Uh, On that same weekend, I went and saw at a drive-through movie theater, I went and saw Let's Play 2. And I remember watching that moment with Steve Gleason and them playing Inside Job at that and just thinking like, whoa, that's that big evolution point of that song and how that song just grew after that and became like a staple of just Pearl Jam and a definitive song that tells you who Mike McCready is and and really his only song lyrical. Like you get basically telling him like you get one chance to do it i'm not counting turning mist but uh, I'm, I'm sorry as, as as nice as turning mist is i'm not gonna count turning mist hey, especially when we're putting uh, it up against inside job i'm just one not of the gonna most, do like, it one of maybe the most obscure program song and you won't even give it a break it's not a bad song I, I do enjoy it but it's no inside job at all so once again i am taken into that trance 
everything is shut out around me. And something that I don't think I really mentioned is that I had been drinking. I, I, well, I, I mentioned that I was double fisting, so I guess the, the bottles weren't like, you know, small cans or anything like that. They were, they were huge. And, and I don't drink a lot. For people that know me and even hang out with me at shows, I don't have a lot to drink usually. But this one, somehow, because I didn't have any responsibilities driving, I was just like, sure, fuck it. So I was in a zone. And at that point, I was just kind of like, in the twilight of the outside and everything like that, I was just kind of sucked into the song and, and just, again, brought into that trance and another very, very cathartic moment for me singing along with that and getting to all the lyrics. This is a perfect version of this song, too. Richie and, and Dermot said in that episode that they made sure, like, he edited asked, like, hey, should, should we have Inside Job in? And they were like, yes. So a uh, big thank you to them for, for making it all happen. They, uh, they provided a lot of magic in this set, as we'll talk about in, the, in two seconds. You know, it's hard to follow up your in-person description with me saying, like, it was great. You know, again, this is a spot. Again, inside job coming off of an encore, coming off with that slow build and that you know, long instrumental intro before it starts to sing. It's going to build up the tension and, and make it more of a moment. So, yeah, it had to be really special. Like state of love and trust if you're in that trance and then you get those chords of state of love and trust to, to fall right up and you're like oh oh it breaks you out of the trance right away and you're like yes let's let's get after this again like it's back to a big time banger and i think that's like perfect setless placement for that and i know what's about to come but i think state of love and trust was the absolute perfect song to follow inside job Definitely. in that spot yeah the really good state of love and trust too it felt like it really had the, got the crowd going and you can probably speak to that too uh yeah the hey oh hey oh it was just yeah all over the place in this just an absolute banger real energetic and ed was on fire during this all right so now ed is going to be talking about the all-in challenge where people want a lottery where they could have the chance to meet and help write the set list, win a guitar oh, and tried. the lights. Believe me, I tried. It was very hard to look when they made a million dollars off of this. It would be very, yeah. very hard to be the guy in that situation. Who who would you have brought with you, John? 
Probably my wife. She oh, probably Randy. That. Oh, well, thank you, John. Oh, that yeah, is so welcome. gracious of you. I, 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 I understand that. Like, I'm not the most important person in your life, but <laughs> unfortunately, it didn't work out for us. But hey, maybe there'll be an all-in thing in like 2026 or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Never, never give up hope. By the way, I totally wouldn't have taken you either. <laughs> <laughs> So it was done for COVID relief and it was before anybody knew how bad it was going to get. Ended up raising $60 million as a whole organization wide charity event, but they were in the top five of the things that were being auctioned off. Then Richie and Dermot get introduced, brought on stage, soaking a big moment. And then Ed says they've made some new friends now and he's glad he got to know them. And then says that this was their pick. I'm going to play the bite from the episode right here because it's not necessarily the pick you know they they didn't have like a say per se they just kind of did an either or thing so let's hear from them and let's kind of hear the real story about breath and how the singles duo kind of came to be but they yes they were a determining factor into getting this played Yeah, so the, the the funny thing about about those two, Stay Love and Trust and Breath, is he had that on the set list um, already. He he just asked us. He was like, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing this sort of singles thing. You know, Stay Love and Trust and Breath. You know, is that a good idea?" And then we said yes, of course. You know, like, yeah, like, of course, sure. You know. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny because he kind of said that we picked Breath, but the, the truth is, like, he kind of already picked it himself. But, I mean, it was really great for us because after the show, so many people were like, oh, Breath, you know, that's such a great pick, like, great job, all this stuff. And we're like, thanks, you know, <laughs> even though... Um, he gave you the credit. Yeah, yeah, he gave <laughs> us the credit. So that was pretty nice of him, I think. Again, guys, I implore you all to go and find that episode. If you go to liveandforlegs.com and you go to the podcast episodes, go down to the special guests and click that. It shouldn't be too far down. I believe the first one up there is probably Richard Stuverud, and then their episode should be the next one down. So just click on that, listen to it, and yeah, you'll have a really good time with that. Those stories are just unbelievable. So, okay, singles duo. Like, yeah, and how crazy is that is that in this run, we wouldn't think at this moment we'd be saying that this would be the last time, right? Right. And we get it one more time in in St. Louis on the 30th anniversary, crazy enough. But this actually goes back to the whole Breath campaign and how I kind of mentioned it before. I kind of felt like, all right, well, 
I didn't do it right. Like it kind of felt like it kind of fell flat and all that. But like, yeah, hearing the song and having it happen, I was like, it kind of made me feel like, okay, you know what? If they were going to do it here, the way that they did it, like then I'm totally okay with that. And I get to see it. I love the song. But also so many people got in touch afterwards. They're like, they played your song. And I'm like, it wasn't really getting them to play it for me. I was getting them to play it for history's sake you know so but i I mean i love the song i wouldn't call it a the top of the top favorite but i mean it's still an amazing song so i had what (laughs) people love the song i think it even says like oh if you don't like it blame them but like who are the people out there like a breath uh whatever like no breath has been a fan favorite since it's just not in my top five it's in my top 20 top 25 I'm just saying it's not like I don't know it's not present tense <laughs> so and it might not even be hard to imagine but it's it's there it is absolutely there so you know at that moment you know, I'm excited and everyone's kind of like hey alright we finally got it we got it we got it so I actually pulled into my backpack one of the breath signs I don't know why I had it I, I guess I just had it because it was left over in there I pulled it out I'm like Matt take a picture of me I'm gonna hold up the sign and, and he did it and the picture is just strange it, it looks like it's snowing again i'll share all the pictures i have on social media and you guys will get to kind of see the perspective of where we're seeing the show and all that and, and that picture as well so yeah i mean I, I, a nice moment a really nice moment and, and getting the two back to back i'm never going to complain crazy mary look i'm going to repeat some things that we talked about in the philly episode what was it like a couple months ago that we did where Crazy Mary is the staple of Philadelphia since 2003. It's been played at least at one of a two night stand in either Camden or Philadelphia every single one of those years, except for uh, the main America festival. Cause they're know, trying to keep that ghost appeased. I think so. And then the crowd knows the importance of it. So, and I think that this is also a song that Matt gets every single time I go to a show with him just about so when they did that like i looked over at matt and he was like yeah and and it is one of his songs he mentioned eight songs it is one of his songs so it does make sense in that retrospect only a six minute version boom was the guy on the solo mike didn't really have a duel here with him so yeah he kind of lets boom have it then comes in at the very very end time crunch right that's a time crunch thing right could be but I guess they got to get leash in here because Ed is pointing out a crowd member. His sign says 108 shows play leash. He says, I think I own one. And Ed also says, that's one more show that I've been to. I don't know how many times he's made that joke, but probably more times than shows that he's actually been to. The leash does get played again, big time redemption once again for not getting it in Toronto. So we're just making the best of it and really enjoying it. Ed's running out of gas a little bit vocally here, but really tough to sing like that after you kind of yeah. pour, pour it up for 25 songs. So. And this is, yeah, and this is a long set for what they were doing around this time and you know, in the yeah. middle of a tour like that. Two and, and a half he's, hours he's about. It. Yeah. Yeah, this is all just great stuff. And then we're going to get a nice story to kind of end it on before we get into Alive and Rockin'. There was one quick piece of unfinished business for Sunday night. It was an honor and responsibility to be there at one of the most memorable shows in all the time of us playing. It was very powerful in that building on the proximity of that date. 
We're grateful for that energy. We met a lot of first responders, and one gentleman that I didn't meet, he brought some great jerseys with him. He had a friend named Jay who came from the legendary Ladder 3. 343 firemen were lost that day, and from Ladder 3, they brought 24 guys, changed the shifts, and they sat on each other's laps, and they all went out to help. 24 went in, and only 12 came back. Jay was the best friend of a guy named Frank. I believe somebody chanced Dirty Frank during this, which, dude, read the room. Frank works tirelessly to find funds and funding to provide further health care needs for those who survived and have had health issues ever since the incident happened. Numbers keep growing. Frank is leading the charge, and they put together a hockey team on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and played at the Garden, and that's where these jerseys are from. Ed brings Frank Healy out to the stage, introduces him, introduces his daughter, calls him a champion and a hero. And apparently Jay played guitar, and this was one of the songs that he played. So Jay, if you're anywhere that you can hear, we play this one loud for you tonight. And they're going to end the set with Alive and Rockin' in the Free World. I can't ask for a better way to them to do this. Like, we knew after Leash, it's like, all right, time to say goodbye, but how are they going to say goodbye? Didn't matter. Like, the energy kept going. It was so palpable there up until the last chord. There was no letting up on anything. There was no down song, if you know what I mean. Like, sometimes there's a down song. Like, if there was, name a gigaton song that's not Quick Escape, Retrograde, or whoever said, that might not have the same juice. Maybe the crowd wouldn't have responded to it as well. But they responded to every single song in this set. Yeah, Alive is kind of the culmination of all of that. And yeah, I mean, Rockin' in the Free World is technically the closer, but... I think they played alive every single show last year. They didn't play it at Apollo. Okay. I think that's the yeah, only yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that one's kind of an awful one anyway. Sure. You know, even even Flo and, and Porch didn't get played every night. But yeah, I mean, Alive is the one. Alive is going to have that extra energy behind it. And the crowd absolutely again just feeding off of what's going off on stage in a very, very, very good way. It might go behind the head, throwing in the war pigs thing at the end. This is the big, big version of Alive that you want after a night like this. It was awesome. And there was something about this version that really stood out to me. And it had nothing to do with what was in the song. It had to do with what was in the crowd. So I had met somebody named Steve Rubin. Ended up being a good friend that I met on the merch line at MSG. And we got to talking and came from very similar backgrounds. He's a Long Island guy, I'm a Long Island guy, and lots of MSG shows in our history and everything like that, so we connected pretty quickly. And he told me the story that he said, look, tomorrow when I get home, I'm going to tell my son that we're going to see Pearl Jam in, in Camden together, and we're going to be on the GA. And I, I think he, he even put out the video on all of the Facebook groups and stuff like that. So a lot of people knew about what he was doing. And the reveal was just awesome. Like his kid was really excited about it. He was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to school? And like typical how a kid is going to think in that situation. And I remember I was talking to him and I'm like, so yeah, what's the plan? He's like, yeah, we have to get to the front. I'm going to bring a sign with him. And his name is uh, Jake Vetter. His middle name is Vetter. So he's going to say Jake Vetter for show. 
I don't know if he wrote, can I get a tambourine or what, but I think that was sort of the goal of, like, let's get my son a tambourine. And that's exactly what happened. So there was a moment where I'm just watching, I'm just pumping my fist like everybody else, and I'm looking at the big screen, and they show Ed go up and hand a tambourine to this young kid, and I see the kid, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then the camera pans up a little bit, and I get to see Steve's face. I'm like, no fucking way. No fucking way they actually got it. And they didn't just get the tambourine, they got the scentless too. Nice. How incredible is that? If you have kids, you want to take them to your first Pearl Jam shows, go GA. Get in the front. Get them the experience. But then you never know what's going to happen. Like, Ed has acknowledged kids down there in, in the past and and everybody treats the kids really well for anybody that and I know there was one or two people that got in touch with me and asked me in the last couple weeks hey should I bring my kids to GA and I, I will say yes absolutely because the crowd will protect the good people on that GA line will protect you so but you just never know like kids will be the first ones in line to, to get that tambourine to get that set so was, I remember I just after seeing his face I messaged him really quickly I'm like all caps like holy shit we just saw you oh I'm so happy for you so yeah just just a great moment and a great way to kind of end this amazing night so it's a little uh, aftermath I mentioned that we, we did the post game we did the recap and there were a bunch of people around in the parking lot but there's a moment in that recap that I feel bad for for Freddie Blood because Freddie we kind of met after the show and you know I was like hey tell your story and he's in the middle of telling his story and these two guys in there in a car sort of pull up and they're like hey they they actually said are you John believe it or not yeah. I went back and I listened and I think they said are you John and then they said podcast podcast so i go up to them like wait a minute all right let's hear what these guys have to say and we're i'm gonna play this at the end here but like they were listening to that week's episode while we were recording and yeah just what are the odds you know i think one of those guys name was sean I don't remember the other guy, but if you are listening to this, then a big thank you again. You'll get to hear yourself in just a second. So, all right, you're going first this week because you'll have an easier time. Yeah, yeah. My top three are Breath, Not For You, and Retrograde. My top 27 are... All right, I'll do a top five. That's the best I can do. I'll go in no particular order until the top. I'm going to say retrograde and not for you are kind of the four and the five. And I'll say untitled MFC, then 1A1B, hard to imagine, and inside job. That's as good as I can do for that. And I think that's pretty damn good. So I talked a lot in this show, John, and I feel like we didn't get your full unfiltered take from this. So I don't know how you even stand with it. I know you liked the performances. It seemed like you had a lot of positive things to say, but I have no idea what you're about to to give this right now. So I'm actually really interested in knowing this. And yeah, sorry for talking the whole entire time. No, no, but I mean, yeah, you were you were there. That's that's the story. That's that's the story that we want to hear. Yeah, I think I think this is good. I think you know we mentioned like 
literally half of the set list is 10 and versus era songs. So that's going to give, you know, a lot of people a very positive feel of it. It's going to get the crowd going and you need that crowd energy to get a good score. I did think this had a lot of excellent, excellent performances. However, I don't think this is a full 10 out of 10 show trying to, you know, go back and listening to it objectively. But I will split the difference between that and what Matt said. I'll give it a nine and a half. Nicely done. I will accept the nine and a half. I, after the show on that same recap show, I said that I am going to take some time to think about everything when it comes to the end of this. And I said I would be very surprised if I wouldn't consider this a top five show that I've been to. After that whole run, I'm at 27 shows. And I've thought a little bit about it. And, you know, I have shows that won't be topped. But both this and St. Louis, believe it or not, I think are in the top five. And St. Louis is just all over the place, like such an incredible day, just seeing all friends and and doing the event and talking with uh, people doing fan portraits and stuff like that. But this is just the most banger show that I've ever been to with all of like those songs that I never thought I would get in an individual show, yet I got them all in the same show. And they were all kind of spread out too. So it was kind of like a, you know, almost a beginning, middle, and the end with that story as well. Like every performance came together. The show was on fire from the minute they took stage to the minute they left. Everybody that we were around was in such a good mood afterwards and smiling. And they didn't want to talk about anything but what they just saw. That is a perfect 10 in my book. I don't know if you'd be able to tell from two hours of speaking there, but... We had a feeling. <laughs> as a 10. It did not make Hall of Fame status, nor did I really think it was going to make Hall of Fame status, but that's that's as close as we've been this year, at least. That was my first 10 this year. We'll say that. Yeah, Pittsburgh 2000 also had a, a 10 and a 9.5, so it's... It did. Well, look, we're still on the hunt. It's going to come. There are shows that are going to be a 10 out of 10, but they're not here yet. So we'll wait a couple months until they are. Until then, next week, we've been doing the 2003, and we did a couple of last year. And what we didn't really have on our schedule was anything from 1992, believe it or not. So we were going through the list, and we were looking at them, and we thought, hey, this would be a good opportunity to do this right here. So we are going to do Portland 1992 next week. And it's a very Dave Hay heavy show because this is on Dave Hay's birthday, this show. I'm going to try and get in touch with him because I've had conversations with him before. I don't think he likes me, but I'm going to try and ask him a little bit about this show because I'm sure it has good memories for him. So I'm going to see what he has to say. If I can't do it, then I know a lot of you have contact with him, too, on Facebook. Then maybe one of you guys can get him to say something. I don't know. We'll work it out. But hopefully I'll have something from him about this show when we introduce it for you next week. And not just that, but as we mentioned before, it's going to be a double feature with Patreon having the First Avenue Club show that happened that year as well. I believe that was in March. Okay. I think that is 
pretty much that. If you loved what you heard tonight, which was basically just my voice, then please head on over to Apple, head on over to Spotify, make sure you're subscribed, and make sure you rate the show. Give us a five-star rating. We think we deserve it. Why the hell not? So uh, if you're on Apple, leave us a comment and let the people know that are looking for a show to listen to, let them know what you think about us and what we're going to do for the next guy that's going to listen because we've covered a lot of shows. This was show number, and really it's not, this is just episode number 231. We've covered way more shows than that, probably around 250, maybe even more at this point. 260, 270, yeah. It it could, yeah, it could be there. Break out the big board to get the real numbers. But we just want people to know that, that we exist and to know that like we've probably covered a show that they've been to and probably have said good things about them or maybe have said a couple bad things. Who knows? That's how opinions go, right? So nothing bad to say about this episode. Tell all your friends. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this because it was just basically a glimpse into what my mind actually is when I'm at a show. So that should do it for this one. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, miss you always. Well, stay tuned because right now you're going to get a glimpse into what that little piece of the recap episode was and just a kind of a spontaneous thing. So enjoy, guys. Are you John? We're gonna get Freddie next. All right. Yeah, yeah. I caught Freddie at the end there. Yeah, that was I, crazy. I looked at him all night. I'm like, ah, you know, he kind of look like the Freddie Blood dude. So we're gonna talk to Freddie, longtime patron. Glad to finally meet you. So instant, instant reaction from you. Man, it's hard to say, but something happened after retrograde. Like it just like that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Like retrograde, just like boom, from that moment on. There was like that. Nothing came off the gas. Even and it just, hits you like that. Yeah, like yeah. Mike and was you would so think, loud. Yeah, you would think, but I just in retrospect, looking back, it's like from quick escape retrograde on. It was just like Me? something. Oh, it's John. Yeah. Wait, you know John? Podcast right now. Oh, motherfucker! <laughs> that was weird. I got it in both ears. <laughs> That's hilarious. I got it in both ears. That's what we're doing right now. You want to be on it? Reaction episode. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I hope you're hearing all that pretty clear, Patrick. Yeah. I can hear it a little bit. Somebody said uh, they know right. John. <laughs> well, he knows John, and he's also listening to the podcast as we speak. You might as well just introduce <laughs> yourself. <laughs> no, no, this is okay. Patrick from Hallucinatic Recipe. This is Sean. This is my 12th show tonight. This is Ryan. This is Todd from Ryan, my 15th show. Awesome. Yeah, we're looking awesome. forward to hearing you guys' podcast, man. Well, it's going on right now, so basically you're hearing it What do right you think now. of the show tonight? Oh, it's unbelievable. Top notch, right? I, like, I mean, without... Getting into the minutiae of it, yeah. it might be the top five favorite show that I've been to. Wow, wow. that's awesome. Yeah, it, it really had volume everything. down a little bit, like quantity down, but the the quality was top off well, the charts. Well, I, you know, is this your first show this year? Or yeah, have you been couple, since twenty eighteen. Well, yeah, no, these shows are now like starting to this uh, compared to everything else this year. This is twenty six songs. Right, that's actually impressive compared like. You know, most of these are getting like 23, 24. So that, uh, they're driving away. They're driving away. No, we gotta, yeah. Yeah. That's on. awesome, man. But um, I think that... Yeah. <laughs> All right. One final word from me, Sean. Uh, it's been four years since we've seen him. And they... they what was your song for tonight? Uh, probably State. Okay. I always love State, man. That's what I said. How about you? What'd you, what'd you uh, like? I, I'd probably say Breath. So right. you go with the single stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks for supporting. <laughs>